How's everyone this morning? It may not shock you to learn that Amazon are the number one global seller of e-books, digital books, thanks to their Kindle platform. And of course, you can probably hack them onto other platforms as well. One of the things that Amazon have access to because the books are being sold digitally is they can not just track how many books are sold, but they can also track some of your reading history because on these Kindles and e-read, on these Kindles, I sound like my grandmother, on these Kindles, um, on the electronic devices, you can highlight things. You can highlight, you know, words, sentences and so on. And, and Amazon, whether you like it or not, ha- have access to the things you highlight. And so they've compiled uh, the data and published, uh, I don't know why, but they published uh, a list of the top sentences highlighted in the millions of copies of the millions of books that they've sold electronically. And uh, I'm not gonna get you to guess which book uh, the number one highlighted sentence comes from. It is uh, Hunger Games, uh, book two, uh, Catching Fire, which just dropped on Netflix, spoiler. Um, Here's the sentence. I'm saying this is what people who have read this book and all the other books electronically, this is the number one most highlighted sentence. Listen to this, listen carefully. I don't want you to miss this. This is profound. This will, ready? Because sometimes things happen to people and they're not equipped to deal deal with them. Okay, wait, 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 wait. I don't think you got that because this is some deep stuff right here. Okay, breaking news. Thanks to the Hunger Games, book two, Catching Fire. We now know that sometimes things happen to people and they're not equipped to deal with them. Well, we all know that. You and I, at times in our lives, have have had the thought or said the words, I can't deal with this. You may have a day, an hour, a week where your kids are going crazy. It feels like the inmates have taken over the asylum and you are saying to yourself, I can't deal with this. You may have so much pressure coming down the pike in your job and you're sitting in your cubicle or you're driving around, whatever it is, and, and you think to yourself or you say to yourself, in this moment, in this season, in this situation, I can't deal with this. It might be a relational situation. It might be a financial situation. It might be something in your family dynamics that's going on where you get to a point where you just exasperatedly claim, I can't deal with this. I'd be willing to bet that's pretty universal. But here's the thing, we're talking about the truth that God has given us the access to be bulletproof, that He's actually equipped us with protective gear and my favourite part, weapons, that will actually, they won't stop the life challenges coming our way. They won't stop the pressure coming in our life. But when things try to take us down, God has given us the ability to make sure that don't take us out. That when the pressure comes and it will, it, it may cause us to bend, but never break. When the devil comes at us with all of his schemes and he's got them, that he can fire away 
far away and his best schemes will not take us out, becoming bulletproof. And it comes from a letter that Paul wrote to the early church in Ephesus. And I encourage you to open up our Elevate app, tap the Bible. It's gonna take you to the passage that we're teaching about from this letter. And Paul talked about what he called the armour of God. It was a metaphor that would have been very familiar to the people in that day based around the Roman soldiers. And if you missed the last two weeks, this is the third week of that series, I strongly encourage you to jump on our app or your favourite podcatcher and revisit those two weeks. But just to bring you up to speed, two weeks ago, we launched this series identifying the reality that we have an enemy. He's called the devil. He's called the accuser. He's called Satan. He's called the liar. He's called the deceiver. And he is... He is against God, He's against God's plans, He's against God's plans for you and therefore He's against you. He's an enemy of God and He's an enemy of yours and of mine. And He plots and He schemes to try and take you out. And it's important that we're not ignorant to that. If you don't understand that you have an enemy, you're vulnerable. But while we shouldn't be ignorant of that because we have access to the armour of God, we don't have to be intimidated by that either that it's the devil that's actually scared of us and not us that should be scared of the devil. You understand? And Paul says, because we have access to this full armour, that that even when the devil's coming at us with his best, we can stand firm. But in order to be able to stand firm and be bulletproof, we need to put on the full armour of God. And so Paul used the metaphor. He wouldn't have needed a PowerPoint presentation for the people of the time, because he would have just, they would have understood this is what a soldier looks like. They would have had them down the street, out their front door, every day in the piazza. And, and so for us, just, just to give you the, 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 the way back version of this, he unpacked, Paul unpacked in this letter to the, the church in Ephesus, that there are things that, are, that a Roman soldier wore and he wore them strategically and he put them all on. And they all served a purpose. And and if he missed any one piece of this full armour, that's the piece, that's the place, that's the point where he was was the most vulnerable. So it's in a soldier's best interest to not only, well, first of all, put it all on. Secondly, understand what it's for, how it works. Oh, what's this? Yeah, understand that that it has a purpose and we can be more effective in standing firm as we understand what the pieces are and what they do. So last week I talked about the belt of truth. The devil is a liar and his lies, like all lies, try to destabilise us, try to destabilise you, try to destabilise me. And the antidote, the, 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 the thing that'll help us stand firm and not become destabilised is the belt of truth, that every lie that the devil throws at you, there is a truth spoken by God that is more powerful and that if you live out of God's truth and don't buy into the lies that the devil will throw at you, then you will be better able to stand firm. The belt of truth. You know, just put it on so your undies don't fall down. You put it on so you can stand Firm. Then we talked about the breastplate of righteousness. I wore a bulletproof vest. I've never worn a bulletproof vest before, especially not while I'm preaching. And I said to a few of our usual suspects afterwards, did anyone get a photo of that? That would go pretty well on social media, I think. And, uh, and uh, I, I kind of had mixed, mixed feelings about the response they gave me. They said, no, I didn't take any photos of you wearing said bulletproof vest 
because I was too busy taking notes from the message. And I'm like, oh, it's hard to push back against that. So you just have to take my word for it. If you weren't here, I wore a bulletproof vest, army issue. And, and that protects the heart because Jesus made it possible for your heart and my heart to be connected to God's heart and no longer separated by sin. And what the devil wants to do is he wants to come between your heart and God's heart, which is how we were before we surrendered our life to Jesus and he wants to take us back to that place where sin and not God rule, where sin and not God is in control. And if he can get to our heart, he can separate us or at least make us think we're separated from the love of God. And so you can go back and listen to that. Well, let me pick up, you got your app open. I'm gonna preach from the amplified version today, the version that goes up to 11, yes. And let me just recap because there's some really good just context and then I'll push forward with what I wanna teach about today. And this is the amplified version. Therefore! I haven't used either of those jokes for about 15 years, and you can tell why. Therefore, put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger, and having done all the crisis demands, God's not promising to take you out of it, He's promising to take you through it to stand firmly in your place. Stand therefore and hold your ground, having tightened the belt of truth around your lions. That's the dyslexic version. I just thought I'd throw that in. It's pretty obvious, but you know, got to. Around your loins and having put on the breastplate of integrity and of moral rectitude and of right standing with God. That's what righteousness means. And now, this is what I wanna teach on today, having shod your feet. Shod is an old timey word, putting shoes on, put something on your feet. Having put something on your feet in preparation to face the enemy with, get this, with firm footed stability. We can face our enemy with firm footed stability. The promptness and the readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace. Did you know that before, for those of you that have made a decision to follow Jesus, before you made that decision, your greatest problem was not that you didn't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Your greatest problem wasn't that you didn't have a great job that you enjoyed. You, 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 your greatest problem wasn't that you weren't in great shape or that you had acne or that you were getting older or that you had financial struggles, before you made a decision to follow Jesus and before I made a decision to follow Jesus, our greatest problem was that we were separated from God. In fact, this is not very PC, but God makes it pretty clear that we were enemies of Him. That because of our sin nature, we were opposed to God's purposes and God's plans. And it wasn't until we made a decision to follow Jesus that God was able to fix the biggest problem we faced. Now, by the way, He's interested in the other stuff, but not as interested as He was in you and I being able to have a relationship with Him. And that's why He sent His Son, Jesus. He wanted to have a relationship with you even more than you wanted to have a relationship with Him. And He knew that you couldn't do it and He knew that I couldn't do it because we have this sinful nature. We keep doing things that God ain't happy about. 
that isn't God's best. And so he took it upon himself to make the first move to send his son Jesus to die in our place, to die so we would never have to. And that, in doing that, fixed our greatest problem, separation from God. And what that gave us when we made that decision, and by the way, if you've never made that decision, we're gonna give you that opportunity to make the decision today to follow Jesus. But when you made the decision to follow Jesus, you made peace with God. And the greatest peace that you and I could ever have, the greatest peace that you and I have access to is a peace with God. Knowing that we are in right standing with God, not because of anything we've done. In fact, despite what we've done, but because of what Jesus did, that we can live at peace, no longer enemies, at peace with God. That's why it's called good news. I say it a lot. I, I, I don't know who wrote the Bible. I mean, God inspired it, but like, I think it's like the world's greatest understatement to call that good news. It should be called flippin', unbelievable, amazing, maybe even drop some F-bombs in there news. <laughs> Our podcast audience in Japan will not approve if I do. But then, but then this peace with God starts a domino effect. It starts it with a peace with God. A peace with God is the first and most important domino that you and I can have peace with. But it starts a domino effect that, that, that our peace with God causes peace to flow into each and every area of our lives, starting with our past. When you know that you are forgiven for your past, despite the fact that you can't change it, you can be free from your past. You can live free from your past. You can live, I'm sorry to say, unfortunately, probably still with the memories, but God sent you free from the shame and from the regret and from the guilt. And He's replaced that with a peace. God, I can't change it. I know. But that's why I've made you a new creation. Because the person that's living now isn't the person that was living back then. That person's dead. You, you buried that person when you got baptised. The new creation, that's where it's at. And because of that, you can have peace with your past. But your peace with your past comes, first of all, from the peace that we get to experience with God. Yeah? yeah. This is good, isn't it? Yeah. It's good, man. I tell you, I'm loving this. I'm gonna keep going. You can also have a peace with your present despite what your circumstances may or may not be. Let me introduce you to Dieter Zander. Dieter Zander in the 80s was a rising star in the American church world. He was a part of the staff of a church, a very innovative church, and at the time, one of the largest churches in the US called Willow Creek Community Church, just out of Chicago, Illinois. And within Willow Creek Community Church, he launched a 20-somethings church ministry program called Axis. And within a very short space of time, they had thousands of 20-somethings coming there. And, and when you read about what God was doing in that, the stories you read about life transformation, about faith, about energy, about growth, just incredible in the 80s. Well, when God called him out of that, he went from the East Coast to the West Coast, because all of us that live in Perth know that the West Coast is the best coast. And uh, he went and, and, and launched a new church in Southern California, which is still going today and going strong. And 
He wasn't just a leader, he was a, an author. He was a gifted singer, songwriter, and he was in, in high demand. In fact, he had to ultimately hand the leadership of the church over because he couldn't kind of juggle two worlds of both being in one local church and also expanding his influence and investing into churches right across the US. Well, in February 2008, Dieter Zander woke up one morning to discover he'd lost the use completely of his right arm and uh, to also discover that overnight during his sleep, he'd lost the ability to speak. That during the night, he had had a stroke and that stroke had paralyzed his right arm and that stroke had also uh, left him with a condition called aphasia. And aphasia doesn't affect your intellect or your emotions or anything under the hood, but it affects your ability to actually produce words. And here's what one biographer, he's still alive, so just stay tuned. But here's one, what one biographer wrote about Dieter in that situation. Inside, Dieter was still the same person. His brilliant and creative mind were completely intact. He had the same emotions, the same sense of humor, the same wit and eloquence, but he had a bungling mouth and it tired people out trying to understand him and one by one, they went away. He since refers to that stroke as a stroke of grace. Stay with me. This same biographer, having interviewed Dieter, wrote this of him. Dieter, after that stroke, heard the still, small voice of God say, be still and know that I am God. And years later, Dieter wrote, all those thoughts, those fears, those jokes that I couldn't bring to life outside my head, God heard them. And I felt his comfort, his peace, and even his laughter. Well, Dieter had to get a job because he could no longer obviously speak, sing, play music. So the first job he was able to qualify for was a crossing guard at an elementary school. And he did that for a season of his life before a friend of his got him a job in the back room of Trader Joe's. And his job was to sort through the spoiled or what Whole Foods, I mean, what Trader Joe's called spoiled goods and bundle up the cardboard boxes at the end of the day. And he wrote a poem of his, what is his current life experience. And the poem, he called it a kingdom of cardboard and spoils. If I'm the king of all I survey, then I'm the king of cardboard and spoils. My kingdom is a noisy windowless room in the back of a Trader Joe's grocery store. Here are the haphazard stacks of empty cardboard boxes. Here are the shopping carts marked spoils. Their wireframes brimming with still good fruit, meat, and flowers, and my kingdom used to be a stage, a microphone, a piano, an audience of thousands. Then came the stroke. Now, five days a week, I arrive at Trader Joe's in the early dark hours before the sun cracks the horizon. I push my mop up and down the aisles, sweep my broom into corners to collect the debris from the day before. The store is quiet, empty. There's one audience in this kingdom. My last task of the day is to load the van with spoils and deliver it to the local Salvation Army where it will feed the hungry who won't care 
at all that the apple is lopsided, that their hamburger is in the waning stage of freshness. They don't care how it looks, they just want to eat. I understand the spoils, I can relate because I too am spoils. But now, stripped of my talent, my stage and my six-figure salary, I relish the imperfection. I revel in the spoils. I feed cardboard piles into the giant baler and chuckle to myself as I think, I am recycled Dieter. I am emptied and crumpled and stained and ready to be used again in a new way, in a new life. And today, I am thinking life is good. It's very good. Dieter now has two tattoos, one down each of his arms. On the one arm, the right arm that no longer functions, he's got a lightning bolt tattooed on the full length of that to remind him that that stroke did in fact happen. And on his other arm, he's got rushing water to remind him that it's not his circumstances that are the source of life, but Jesus, the living water, that is the source of life, that is the source of peace. And even in the midst of any type of challenging circumstances, we have access at all times to the water of life. And that's the source of our peace. You know, you can even make peace with your future. <laughs> you can actually make peace with your future in the present. Because here's the thing. The thing that robs you of the peace in the presence is often you worrying about stuff that hasn't happened yet. Running worst case scenarios through your mind. That's what worry is, that's what fear is. I wonder if, I hope it doesn't. Gosh, it possibly will. And God says, no, there's a peace. There's a peace that, that comes because I sent my son Jesus. And faith is, 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 is believing that God is true to his word that He has your future in His hands. We can make peace with our future because of the gospel of peace. God says, trust me, I may not take you around the battle. I may not even take you out of the battle, but I will always be with you in the battle and I'll always lead you through the battle. And that, not your circumstances, especially the ones that haven't happened yet, is our source of peace. And then Paul continues with this metaphor of the armour that a soldier would have worn and he starts to talk about a shield. And he says, above all, so we've talked about having the belt on, having the breastplate on, having the shoes on, and now above all, by the way, I think there's a bit of double entendre there from good old Paolo. Above all, lift up the protective shield of faith in which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So here's what used to happen. The, the opponents of Rome would, uh, with their arrows, they would dip them in, in oil or in a, in a flammable liquid of some sort and they would light them. And as the Roman army, as the Roman guard were coming at them, they would fire these, these arrows that were lit, designed to, to obviously not just strike the Roman soldiers, but, but set them alight and cause maximal damage. 
per arrow. And Paul says that, that, that you have, we, we, there's a shield that can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, here's a little uh, modern day representation of what a Roman soldier's shield would look like. This would have typically been full, full height, so you know, five to six feet tall. In my case, six and a bit. Um, and uh, and uh, it had a wire frame. And uh, the stuff on the wire frame was made of leather. And what the Romans, and, and several layers of leather. And what the Roman soldiers would do would before they went into battle, they would soak the leather in water so that the wet, damp leather would actually act as a fire retardant so that the arrows would come. They knew they would come. They knew there was no escaping the flaming arrows, but they knew that, that by merely having a shield that was designed and that they knew how to use it, they could actually lift it up. And, and in that very act, extinguish the flaming arrows. And here's how they would go in. And I don't wanna miss this, and I'm not gonna riff on this too much, but understand they didn't go in alone. That shield was not designed to be going into battle on its own, you and the shield. You weren't designed to go into battle on its own. I don't want you to miss that. Following Jesus is not an individual sport. And, and, and if you just come to church and then you just leave, I, I'm telling you, we love you. We love that you're here, but I gotta warn you, you're vulnerable because it's just you and your shield. But you've got access to a lot of other people with a lot of other shields. And together, try firing a flaming arrow at that. All these information, fire retardant shields. Good luck. Zero impact zero effect. But Paul made the point, you have to lift it up. These don't work lying on the ground. <laughs> they don't work in your kit bag. They don't work left at home when you go to your place of employment. They work when we lift them up. And in the morning, before we went into battle, that's when you put the stuff on. You put on the belt, you put on the shoes. You put on the breastplate. You lifted up the shield. You didn't leave any of that at home or, 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 or just drag it around behind you. You understood that each piece had a purpose and each piece worked together. And then together, these things made us bulletproof. <clears throat> the devil is a liar. Remember that. Memorize that. It's a real easy thing to remember. Don't be intimidated by it, but don't forget and don't be ignorant, the devil is a liar. Way back in the beginning, way back in the Garden of Eden, way back, Adam and Eve, the devil came in. God had made promises, lavish, lavish, God type of promises to Adam and Eve. And the devil sneaks in, disguised as a serpent. And he says to them, psst, <clears throat> psst. Did God really say? You know, the promises and the, the lavish promises. Did God, really, did God really say? Because he wanted Adam and Eve to doubt God's word, God's character and God's motives. And if he can get you and I to do that, doubt God's word, 
God's character and God's, and, and we're at our most vulnerable to doing that when we start to think that our source of life and our source of peace is circumstances. That, that a blessed life means a life that's problem free. And when problems come in, we start to, to doubt God's word and God's character. And you can be sure the devil is just priming and jabbing and prodding and poking. Did God really say? Did God really say? Did God really say? And you're, and you're getting deflated and he's jabbing. Did God really say? And you start questioning. So he pushes more. Did God really say? And you start feeling weak and unstable. Did God really say? And you might actually start to remove yourself from the community that God's put you in, the strong relationships, and the devil comes after you because now you're an easy target because you used to hunt packs and now you're being hunted because you went off on your own and he's coming in. Did God really say? Did God really say? And you start to lose hope and you start, and, 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 and it's funny how the devil's voice starts to sound a lot like yours. And you start to, you start to hear the devil's voice as your own voice. Oh, yeah, did God really say? Did God really say? And the chatterbox gets going. Did God really say it's hopeless? Well, I've got to tell you, put on the belt of truth and there's an answer for that. Did God really say it's hopeless? No. Here's a banger. God says, I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from the mountains? No, my strength comes from God who made heaven and earth and mountains. He won't let you stumble. Your guardian God won't fall asleep. Not on your life. Israel's guardian will never doze or sleep. Friends, that's what God really said. Did God really say? Yeah, He flippin' did. And not just said it, He flippin' wrote it down. He in fact even baked it into an app. You don't even have to know where this stuff is these days. You just Google and you'll find it. And that's okay. Belt of truth. Did God really say you'll never be able to change? Well, no, because I put on the belt of truth and I found what He did say. He said, and so transformed much like the Messiah Jesus, our lives gradually becoming brighter and brighter, more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like Him. That as we start to follow Him, it wasn't just an event, it's a process. It wasn't just, I'm now a child of Jesus. It's us being transformed in His image and likeness and not doing it in our own strength, but being strong in the Lord and in His mighty power, allowing His grace, His power to transform us. Anyone says you can't really change or that voice, you are now hardwired to change. Oh, I promised I wasn't gonna stand up. I nearly bust a blood vessel last week when I was preaching. Which now, because I don't have much hair, it's quite visible and quite disturbing. <laughs> We're gonna take corporate communion together. Together. And uh, some music team coming up. And um, actually our hosts, you wanna just start distributing? We got a a little cracker and a little juice. I want you to grab that as it comes past and just hang on to it. And the reason I wanted to do this this morning is I, is I want us to be reminded of what we have access to. I, wanted, I want us to be reminded of what Jesus has given us access to. That this gospel of peace 
isn't just a one-time historical event, but, but it unleashed a new reality. A new reality, not just for our world, but a new reality for you and for me. Our new reality. And when we do this, when we do this, what, what we call communion, just hang on to it for now. Hang on to the cracker, hang on to the juice. When we do this, the cracker you're holding is a symbol. It's symbolic of Jesus' body. God didn't have to send His Son. And even when He did, Jesus didn't have to go to the cross, but He submitted His will to God's will and did go to the cross. And as someone who was fully God and fully human, His punishment and death on the cross, He felt it in the very same way that you and I would have felt it had it been done to us. He didn't get around that. And He did that, went through that sacrifice because of how much He loves you and He loves me. And the blood, the, 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 the juice represents His blood, that there was blood shed. This was not a nice capital punishment event. Very sanitized, the family of the victims watching while someone's just nicely put to sleep. No, 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 no. This was the most brutal form of capital punishment that the Roman Empire had access to. They put Jesus right to the top of the charts and gave Him their worst of the worst in public display, in public shame, in front of His mother, His friends, His family and His followers. And He didn't sidestep that because of how much He loves you and how much He loves me. Because He did those things. You and I have a relationship with God. You and I are no longer separated from God. You and I, our hearts are now together with God's heart and we have peace with God. We have peace with God and we have peace with our past. We have peace with God and we have peace in our present, a peace that passes all understanding. And we can have peace in our future. That our hope doesn't come from circumstances. Our hope doesn't come from profile. Our hope doesn't come from jobs. Our hope doesn't come from well-behaved kids. Our hope doesn't come from, from, from nice houses. Our hope doesn't come from promotions at work. And all those things are fine. Often they are a blessing from God, but ultimately they're not the source of our hope. They're not the source of our peace. They're not the source of life. Jesus is the source of life. Jesus is the source of hope. Jesus is the source of peace. I'm repeating myself now. You, you, you get this, right? I know you get it, you're smart. I'm repeating myself because this is so vital to understand as best we can, to remember as best we can, to appreciate as best we can and to take with us as best we can, not just to have warm, fuzzy, peace-filled, elevator music feelings while we're sitting in a box for 60 minutes on a Sunday. But when we go back into, and I'm not gonna call it the real world because this is very much the real world here as well. In fact, I think it's probably more real than the one we're gonna step out back into because of the presence of God. But, but, but here's the thing, 24 seven, 365, we have access to the peace of God. Despite our circumstances. So how about you grab that cracker and, and, and take that now and, and, and don't miss it. We're taking this together because we're following Jesus together.
I think you can follow Jesus on your own, just not very effectively. You're vulnerable. And I put out the warning. You don't have to be. That's why we're here. That's why God's brought us together. That's why He's bringing more and more people in. Thank you, God, for offering your body, Jesus, on the cross, dying so we wouldn't have to, in our place, taking on our sins, reconciling us who were enemies of God back to the Father, that our hearts are connected with Him. And that from that moment, nothing can separate us from the love of God. How about you drink that juice? Again, it's symbolic. that Jesus poured out for you and for me. And it's by that blood that we're cleansed. In the old part of the Bible, before Jesus came, when sacrifices were made, the animals had to be killed and the blood poured out. Yeah, Jesus was killed, but He didn't stay dead because He rose from the, again that we, from the grave that we have hope that new life is possible for us because Jesus, He didn't stay dead. Three days later, He rose from the grave. And when we accept Him as our Lord and Saviour, when we commit to follow Him, that blood that was shed washes us clean. In fact, the Bible says that washes us as, as white as snow. We have peace today because of what Jesus has done. Gang, how about you stand and we're gonna declare in front of a God who made it possible to have peace with our past, present and future. That whatever you're going through because of what Jesus has done, He's gonna do it again. 